we're missing the core of the gospel. Too often I fear we forget that our faith is supposed to be filled with joy, with a deep peace, with a presence of God in our lives and in the life of the church. And so, ever so often, we have to back off of some of these more difficult texts and remember grateful. Some years ago, I came across this prayer. It was printed and I copied it down. And I think it appeals to me because it was prayed by a mother for her little girl who was starting school. And of course, we have girls. It was her first day of her first year of school. And I'm going to read it to you. Today she goes to school she is so little, God. Watch over her here by eyes that I'm following. Dear God, there's so many things she does not know about the other children who will tease her and laugh at her mistakes, or maybe because her clothes aren't as nice as theirs, or because she doesn't come from the right neighborhoods. She doesn't know about cruelty yet, nor does she know about what she will show. Protect her, God, with a brave heart. And please, God, help her to love her teachers, all of them, in those long, bittersweet years to lie ahead. Help her to remember that they're human too. Like her mother, they can become tired and cross and sometimes harassed beyond endurance. Help her to give them love, no apology, just the warm, steady flame that tells them she appreciates them. She will, God. If you give her a grateful heart. One more thing, please, God. Open her eyes and her heart to control to those about her, so that all who look at her may be comforted, and none through her be willful hurt. They won't, God, if you will give her a grateful heart. That is my prayer, God, for my little girl. Wish I'd learned it on my children's first day of school. It's a prayer we all ought to be praying, whether we're sending children off to school or whether we're entering every morning of our lives. Why? Because if we are grateful for what we have, we will not be hurt by what we don't have. If our children are grateful for teachers and classmates, there's a good chance that they will turn out to be kind and thoughtful and appreciative of what's done for them. If they have, and here's your coin for the day, an attitude of gratitude, it will make a difference in the way they live their lives. Today's the Sunday when we began our annual emphasis on stewardship. And I would like to share with you what I believe are the keys to happiness, contentment, and peace in life. And that is a life filled with joy. And that begins with us being grateful. First of all, a grateful person tends to be a happy person. 
I have never known somebody who was truly grateful for what they had, whether they were old or young, rich or poor, well or sick, who were not at the same time happy people. People who are gracious tend to be happy. My late friend and mentor, Ed Montgomery, used to tell this story. And it's always been a lot to me, and it's a rare time when you find a place to use it. Maybe this is it. It's the story of an extremely wealthy family of a generation ago down in the deep south. And it tells the story of a family who employed a black woman as a maid in the home. They would have called her servant. And it sometimes happens in those families, this white woman became very much like a part of the family. Her name was Anne. And she had a profound influence upon this family, and I think she had a rather profound understanding of it. The son, who was a boy when he first knew Anne, tells us this way. He says, I remember Anne as she sat at the kitchen table in our house, her hands folded across her starched table, her glistening brown eyes glistening literally to the ceiling in prayer. Much obliged, dear Lord, for my business. And he says, I said, Anne, what's a bill? It's what I got to eat and drink, Anne said. That's bills. But Ed, you get your bills whether you thank God for them or not. Yes, I would. But it makes everything taste better when you thank you for it. You know, it's a funny thing about being thankful. It's a game an old preacher taught me to pray. It's looking for things to be thankful for. You don't know how many things you pass right by unless you're looking for them. Take this morning, for instance. I woke up and I lay there kind of lazy-like, wondering what I had to be thankful for today. And wouldn't you know it? I couldn't think of a thing. What must the good Lord think of me? His child. But if God is true, he couldn't think of anything. And then what do you think? My daughter Josie opens the bedroom door and straight from the kitchen comes the most delicious morning smell that ever tickled my old nose. Coffee bread. Much wise you would coffee. And from a daughter who has been ready for an old woman when she wakes up. Much wise After breakfast for a while, I have to help Josie with the housework, and it's a little hard to find anything to be thankful for in housework. Everybody agree? I never found a single thing. Maybe I will. But then I come to the metal piece and I start dusting the little ornaments there. And there sits my porcelain blue boy. How long do you think I've had that china boy? Never even got it changed. And there he sits all shiny blue on the back with a golden horn. I love that little boy. He is my little metal piece brother. Much obliged to the Lord for the blue. And then everything I touch with a dust cloth reminds me of something else I have to be thankful for. And I get so busy thanking God before I know it, all the work is done. You know, God is just giving heaven away to people all day long. Yeah. 
God is giving heaven away people all day long. I've been rose gardens in the park, but you know, I like the old rose bush in my own backyard. One rose will fill your nose with as much sweetness as anybody can say. Dear Lord, thank you for rose bushes. For all his childhood, he says, Anna was there, the serving woman. And daily, it seemed, she taught him about gratitude. Years later, as a grown man, members of the family received word that Anna, long since retired, was dying. And he went to her little modest home and stood by her bedside with her eyes closed. And he thought to himself, Poor old woman, I wonder what she has. Be thankful for her. And he says, she opened her eyes and seeing me standing there said, Much obliged, Lord, and good friends. Last thing she ever said. You see, gratitude really is the key to happiness. If you truly want to be happy, you're going to have to find a way to be grateful for what you have and who you are and where God is in your life. The most visible people I know are those who are never content. They're always reaching for something else. And the reason is they don't appreciate it. Maybe we all suffer from it. Time to time, I know I do. But remembering to be grateful is a way of also learning to be content. A cynic has said that Americans have more things to be thankful for than any other nationality, and we only take one day out of the year in which to give thanks. Now, I'm not sure that's the time. But he has a point. Teenager was asked a family done something to give a blessing, and you never know what a teenager's gonna say, but in this case, it was pretty surprising and quite wonderful. As he prayed, he said, Grant, O Lord, that we may be grateful for this food which we so often take for granted, as we are for your divine promise of eternal life. Have you ever thought of those two things together? I hadn't until I read this. But thankfulness for our daily bread and thankfulness for God's promise of eternal life, it may be that if we're not thankful for the little things, we're not thankful for the big things either. Some of you will remember the essays of Charles Lamb, the 18th century English writer. And it said that he not only said grace over meals, but he said grace over books and over friends and over gatherings of people he's fond of. Perhaps some of you remember reading, if you didn't read it, you saw a movie of the great uh, Daniel Defoe, Robinson Crusoe, you know, the story of the guy stranded on the island. There's a line from the book that makes a ton of sense for us. Here he is having to eke out an existence on this desert island with what he could salvage from his red ship. 
and what he can find on the island that he writes the following. I sit down frequently to meet with thankfulness and admire the hand of God's providence, which has spread my team in the wilderness. We don't talk like that today. And it's not just the old-fashioned language. We don't act like we believe it anymore. Aren't we thankful for God's providence that gives us what we have? I know we have spent three and a half, four years in a horrible recession. I know how difficult it has been for people who have been laid off. We genuinely want to find real, significant, meaningful work. And that's important. Nobody ever says it is. People in our society are suffering. We see them every day in church office. Or if not every day, several times a week. But I can't help but wonder that if our society had a little more gratitude, it would lead to a whole lot more happiness, and it would lead to the ability for hope payment not to have to turn away women and children because they have to do this. That takes time. That's the long shit. Our greed and our discontent really does have something to do with our inability to be gracious. Did you hear what the Apostle Saul Paul said in the text for today? He thought it was the wrong text for today, it was the right text for today. He says, Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will be yours. Great church teacher used to be at Union Seminary, E.T. Thompson, said he never understood that passage until he finally saw the phrase, with thanksgiving. Because that becomes the key. And when we go to our prayers to God with thanksgiving, everything else seems to find its place. Try it sometime. Genuinely remember and be grateful for those things that God has done. True thanksgiving, real gratitude takes worry out of our minds. It's not that we're not still concerned. It's not that we don't still need a job. It's not that we don't still need to fix our time. All those things are true. But it does stop. As we move deeper in this season of stewardship, maybe the greatest good we can do for ourselves and for others is to learn to cultivate this attitude of having real gratitude for God. If we do that, all the other stuff that you're going to hear about stewardship will fall into place. Let the Father and the Son of 